0: Morgan Lippart's work has appeared in anthologies and journals across the U.S., Canada, and England, such as Oxford University Press's Literary Imagination, Popshot Quarterly, and Chicken Soup for the Soul. Her first chapbook, Barefoot and Running, which we discussed in an earlier interview, was a finalist for the Colorado Book Award. She recently launched a groundbreaking poetry masterclass which is the focus of today's interview, where students can learn step-by-step how to get their poetry placed in journals and magazines worldwide. When she's not writing, she enjoys her career as an attorney and loves to adventure in the wild spaces surrounding her home near the Rocky Mountains. For more of her poetry, find her on Instagram at MLMLipheart or visit morganliphart.com, And of course, links will be in the show notes. And for her masterclass, visit poetry-masterclass.thinkific.com. Thinkific. Morgan, welcome back to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again.
0: Well, I loved your your masterclass, which we'll talk about in a, in a minute. But before talking about your masterclass... You, you mentioned this in your bio, you had some exciting news since we last uh, spoke. You were a finalist for the Colorado Book Award. Congratulations on that incredible milestone. Share the backstory of that recognition.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. It still feels surreal. Um, oh, my goodness. It was an incredible experience. So, as you mentioned, I had my first chapbook, Barefoot and Running, Um, nominated by this committee for the Colorado Book Awards, which is like the Grammys of authors. (laughs) So as part of that opportunity of being just the small group of nominees, I think it was only four of us um, in the whole state. Uh, We got to go to Tattered Cover, which is a beautiful local bookstore, and have a reading, which just absolutely packed the house. So that was a beautiful moment in itself because that was the first time reading in front of an audience since the pandemic. And what a way to get back into reading spoken poetry. Oh, my goodness. And then the award ceremony itself was magnificent, like black tie. I had a ball gown that I tried to match to the book cover, which is all of these flowers and this kind of beautiful nature theme. So I had this golden um, flower gown and my parents flew in to escort me to the event. And I was, you know, eating appetizers with Pulitzer Prize winners. <laughs> it was incredible. It was just so surreal. And I remember one very kind Pulitzer Prize winner who was nominated in a different category. Um, I had a conversation with him and he was like, oh, my gosh, your batting average is amazing. It's like it took me till my fourth book to get into these awards. I like, keep going. And it's just incredible to have that type of um you know support and inspiration around you for that event I even have my book award uh back in our video oh there it is so, yes yeah, yeah so that was amazing
0: well I think you that's I wanted to start with that question just to emphasize to folks listening that you have a lot to share and uh I think that leads to my next question, which was, what was the inspiration for creating your master class and how has your experience maturing as a poet influenced what you created with the class?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm in the, in this place in my career where I feel like I've achieved so many of my dreams and it's time to help other writers achieve their dreams because I realized um, I've been doing this for 10 years. I started young when I was 21 or 22, really going after this industry and getting published in these journals and magazines and all these different places that I had never even been. And my work was going out into these places. And um, you learn through that 10 years of experience so many little things that you would never learn without trial and error. Like there are no classes that teach you exactly how to write a cover letter and exactly how to tweak your submission for the best success when an editor reads it. Like those classes aren't out there. Um, They weren't out there certainly for me. I learned it the hard way by failing (laughs) and then recorrecting. And I made all of these templates um, for my submissions and keeping track of my submissions. And I made all these strategies just myself over the years. And I realized that I just have so much that I would love to share with other people because it's great, you know, to, to make your own dreams come true. But I feel like part of our purpose here on this world um, is to help other people make their dreams come true. So that's the step, that's the phase I'm in. And that's why I created this class, which took me like a year to make. <laughs> it took forever. <laughs> it's definitely a labor of love, but a hundred percent worth it.
0: Well, I thoroughly enjoyed the class. You gave me a sneak peek, and I was able to... I went through the entire the entire class and, and picked up so many... Like you said, there's so many things that... These little things that add up that are, that are not taught in traditional poetry classes. Like, neither of us... I, I don't think you did an MFA. I didn't. Like, neither of us did MFAs. And there are lots of kind of MFA-like classes out there on the craft of poetry, which are very useful, and I've taken several of them. Uh, but there isn't really the practical step-by-step guide to the things you need to do to get your poetry read by people, which is ultimately what you want and heard. And uh, so I found your class very, very helpful. And uh, what is, was your approach, were you intentionally so sincere and relatable in the class? Because that's what I certainly (laughs) took away, which I think is what'll make it uh, so accessible to so many people. And who do you consider to be your ideal audience for this class?
1: My ideal audience is a writer that's been writing poetry for probably many years and their dream is to get published, but they just haven't quite gotten there yet. Either they've tried and they've gotten a bunch of no's and been rejected um, and they're not really sure what they're doing wrong, or they don't even know how to approach a literary journal or a magazine and make a submission. So I'm really aiming towards those newbies and I truly believe if you listen to um, all of my steps, because the the class is half making your poetry publisher ready. So it's making it commercially appealing. Um, It's not necessarily towards the academic side of poetry like the MFA you mentioned. Um, And then the second half is exactly how to get those poems in the journals and magazines because you have to have really good solid poetry in order to get a yes from the journals so um it's from somebody that needs both that you need to level up their poetry and get that poem in a journal so I'm like I just can't wait for the day when somebody messages me and they say I got published for the first time because I followed this step or like um because I took your class like I oh if you can't tell, I'm like beaming just thinking about it because that's, that's my audience, people that just want that first publication. And then from there, you're just gonna keep rolling. And before you know it, you'll be in my position where you've been published all over the world. But uh, my approach for the class, so this is my very first class that I've done, very first filming that I've done. Um, and I just felt like I came alive when I was filming these, these modules. I felt more myself than I've ever felt and I think that is a sign that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. Like I was beaming, just <laughs> beaming after filming these modules because there's just something so fulfilling about, you know, talking about poetry and teaching these things so that people can go out and spread their art all over the world. It's so fulfilling.
0: That really comes through, and I think that's why it comes across as so sincere, is because you're genuinely excited and want to help people, and it's not, uh, you're not doing this for any other motive. It's like you truly just at the core want to help people, and that really, really comes through. So, poetry is such an open ended art form. There are so many ways to express ideas using poetic language and forms. Um, talk a little bit more about the structure of your masterclass, which you've touched on, and how you chose the topics to focus on.
1: Yeah, so there are different modules. The first module is an introduction um, where I kind of go through the details of the class and my philosophy on poetry. So exactly why we're doing this, why we want to write poetry and get it out into the world. And that module was actually filmed in Ireland um, on the beautiful cliffs in Waterford County. And it was amazing. (laughs) And then the last module um, is also filmed in Ireland and it's a pep talk Um, and a wrapping up of sorts. And then in the modules in between, I take you kind of step-by-step mechanically through how to level up your poetry, um, the do's and don'ts, and where to really make your poetry shine so it'll get the eye of an editor and get that yes, and then exactly how you go about that. Like step-by-step, how to select a literary journal how to make your submission and craft it, how to choose poems to select for that literary journal, how to send it off, how you'll get your answer, when you'll get your answer, and what that answer actually means. So it's all of these little industry things that you only learn after you've done it many times, and you learn the patterns.
0: Yeah, no, the trial and error element that you distill down will save people time. Like, I think that's one of the things I can say is, Uh, From viewing it, is that this will save you time. You you could learn all the things that Morgan has learned over a decade and take a decade to do it, or you could shorten a whole bunch of that by just all the distilled lessons. So, ordering the poems in a collection is a topic that's been discussed multiple times on this podcast, and it's stressful for most writers when they're leading up to their first book, especially. I expect structuring your masterclass was equally stressful. How did you decide what to include the order and the pace, the content and what to leave out? Cause I'm sure there were ideas that didn't make it in or haven't made it in yet. Um, or just, you didn't feel fit.
1: Yeah. To be honest, I feel like I was so lucky. It just flowed. Like I did structure the curriculum. I actually wrote everything out, but, um, it was just, a, a months long process of, Oh, wait, I should mention this or I should mention this. Um, So it's all these little nuggets of gold that uh, I just kept thinking of over the months and putting into the structure. Like it was, it just flowed. And I feel like, again, that's a sign where maybe I'm doing something that I'm meant to be doing because it just kind of magically clicked into place for me.
0: Well, you, uh, like me and many poets have intensely busy working lives in parallel to poetry. And I just actually had a chance to see Dana Joya Um, speak earlier this week and I'm interviewing him here later this season on the podcast. And he was an executive marketing executive for many years uh, until he was able to dedicate himself full-time to writing. And he's spoken about that. How do you balance and prioritize all the things you need to get done and want to get done with the necessary effort to work and, you know, pay the bills. And I think most poets have some parallel career. It's only a very select few, maybe the Amanda Gorman's of the world. Um, who who, are, who are, are just so prestigious that they can make poetry their number one income earning thing. But for most of us, we're doing something else in parallel, and that something else can be very intense. So how do you what are your, sort of what's your advice on finding that balance?
1: Right. I have a lesson on this um, in the master class, and it's a very helpful lesson that I again learned by trial and error. As you know, I'm an attorney in addition to this, so I've got two different careers going on. Um, Before we were filming, I just mentioned I was up really late last night working on a seal and then, you know, turning around and doing poetry today. And it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot to fit into your schedule. But um, my best tip and how I've really built my career as a poet, in addition to thriving in my day job, is I have one rule. And it's a very simple rule, it's easy to follow, but it's powerful. And so my rule is do just one thing every day that will advance your poetry career. That can be something small, like just looking at a poem and thinking about ways that you might want to revise it. That can be something large, like filming a podcast or making a reel on your Instagram account to promote your poetry. Um, So it can be something that's a little bit more flexible depending on how much time and energy you have that day. But you know, when you go to bed that night, you did something um, to further your writing career. And, you know, over the years that adds up because that time is going to pass anyway. You might as well make little steps towards your actual dreams. Um, So that is something that has been really powerful for me because it is doable. You can do one small thing a day.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love that advice because that's in between meetings. If I need uh, to take a breather or downtime or distraction, which, you know, we'll do in different ways, go get a coffee or walk around a little bit. I'll just, uh, you know, pick up a poem I'm working on and just noodle on, a, on on something that needs to be revised or edit. And I can do that in five, 10 minutes and maybe make it just a little bit better. And like you said, it checks the box in your mind that I didn't lose another day. You know, and, and that's really, and really important, momentum. keeping yeah. momentum. Yeah. And then it becomes a habit and then you it becomes much easier to do that one little thing a day or big thing a day. So in addition yeah. to your discussion on a diverse collection of poetry topics, you've included downloadable guides, activities and tools, super practical things, by the way. Love them. Talk about some of the resources students taking your master class can expect to receive as part of the class.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of the most beneficial things about this course is the resources that I've crafted for the students. So I have a large list of journals that you can submit to, so you don't have to just Google what journals um, are open for submissions right now, because that can, so much of your time can be spent just trying to locate a journal that's open right now, if you're trying to submit. Um, It can take It can be a big time suck. So I've eliminated that for you for the most part with this list. And this is the same list I've been using for, I haven't been using it for 10 years. I think I've been using it for a little over five years. When I first became a lawyer is when I started this. And I just downloaded it from the Pushcart Prize list of journals that nominate each year because my goal was to be nominated for a Pushcart Prize. And then I've edited it edited it heavily and added all these different journals from all over the place. And I've added in information I've deleted journals that are no longer there. And so I've crafted it. So it's its own unique, beautiful list that is so helpful. And then I also have an Excel spreadsheet that is going to be incredibly helpful for organizing your submissions. Because one of the things I go through in the class is if you get a yes from a journal and they've accepted your work, They have first North American serial rights. So what that means is you can't also have it published by another journal um, before the journal that said yes comes out. So you have to notify all the journals that you sent that poem to and say, hey, this is no longer available. Thank you so much for your consideration. Please take this poem out of your um, pile for consideration. And... It's really hard to do that when you're submitting at the pace that you should be submitting at, because there's no way you're going to remember all of the places that you put place that poem. So the journal um, or the spreadsheet really helps alleviate that problem, and it gives you a way to organize exactly what what you sent, where, when, did they say yes or no, and all of the notes of um, the specific weird little things that the journal wants you to include in your submission because they are all little snowflakes and they vary. So it's good to keep track of that as well. So that's an amazing resource. And then one of the lessons in this class is very simple and it focuses on calling yourself a real writer. You're not an aspiring writer, you're a writer because you put your pencil to the paper. That's all, that's all it takes. Like you are in the big leagues automatically with that. Um, so that lesson is really me encouraging you to believe in yourself. I'm no different than you. Like you are completely able to do these things. So I designed a little certificate to put on your fridge (laughs) where you say, I, you know, Sam Smith, am a real writer and I'm claiming that today. And I'm knowing that about myself and going forward with confidence. So that's kind of a more of a hippie tactic (laughs) that I have in there that, you know, it was just so joyful to create that certificate because I know it's simple, but that mindset shift is powerful.
0: No, it is very powerful. And I was, so I've been writing for over 40 years, but it was only a couple of years ago during the pandemic that I got nudged into not no longer just sharing my poetry, uh, with my friends and family, but, uh, but actually sharing it externally. And that was, uh, uh, my family knew I was, you know, they always said, oh, he's good good at poetry. And if they needed a poem for some event or something, they would come to me. But I really struggled with calling myself a poet. um, And I don't know why. Um, So it's pretty normal. If if you're struggling to call yourself a poet, you're embarrassed to, that's really normal. But it's so liberating when you, when you put that on an equal status stature with whatever else you're doing. And that that took me a little bit of time, uh, and to do. And, uh, but boy, it's liberating when you've actually put that on equal footing. So I'm really glad that you included that even, yes, the certificate may be a little hippie, uh, but it's important. It actually represents a very important mental shift that as soon as you put poetry, I'm a poet and I'm a lawyer, I'm a product manager, I'm a whatever. When you put it on an equal footing, you it just changes the way you look at each day. So yeah. uh, you've probably mentioned a couple of these, but what are two or key, three key things you hope students will take away from your masterclass, if you could distill it up?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, of course, I have the technical advice about writing powerful poetry that I have really, um, it's gonna be so helpful for to help people craft better poems, like really powerful poems. But the big things that I'm excited to teach um, is the concept of not giving up. In one lesson, I love it. Uh, (laughs) I I talk about the importance of tenacity because you have to have this in this business. We hear so many no's. Even the best writers hear so many no's. And um, you can't let yourself be stopped by a no. You have to keep going. And it might take 10 no's before you get one yes. It might take 20, it might take 30. I know James Patterson, he was turned down by dozens of publishers before he was able to place his first book. So you have to have that type of long term mindset and tenacity and not take it personally and understand that every writer in the industry is going through the exact same thing. So that's a pep talk that I purposefully recorded. Because I wanted students to be able to go back to that lesson when they hear "no's" if they feel disappointed by that. Because you know we're human beings. Even I still get disappointed by "no's" sometimes. If it's a journal I really wanted to get into, I can get bummed out. But to have that pep talk, I think will be really amazing for people. And once people um, enroll in the class, they have they have it forever because um, the Thinkific platform is amazing. And just you can always access it any time, um, so you can go back and relearn that lesson, and you can have me in your living room or in your kitchen giving you the "This is Sparta, this is poetry pep talk," um, which I'm just excited for people to have that. Um, yeah, the tenacious the tenacious part. That's the thing that I think will be a big game changer for
0: people. Being tenacious is so important, and that really comes through in the class. So I'm glad you you brought that up. And there's so many stories of, of established authors who took them five years to find a home for a book, or you know, I remember getting my first acceptance and being so thrilled about it. And then you know, now that I've had a number of acceptances, number of poems placed, and a couple of books, I still get surprised. I, I had a poem that I'd tried to place seven or eight times. I lost count. I just go back and check my tracking spreadsheet. And then there was a, a journal looking for something that had a bit of a coffee element to it. And I thought, oh, I've got a poem that has a coffee element to it. and I submitted it and they loved it. so now it's going to get published in the spring. And yeah, it's just it's, it's more about when is the time right and the universe is aligned than anything else. But rejections, assuming you've created something that you're proud of that's of, that's of good quality, the rejections really don't mean anything. They just mean the time wasn't right or it wasn't what they were looking for and you can't read anything into it. And it's uh yeah, I definitely find uh, the more you submit, the less you are affected by the inevitable rejections. And the injection rate is super high. It's like 95 plus plus percent. So, you know, you're basically, yeah, almost journals, cert-
1: it's 99.9%. Yeah. 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 I mean, numbers game. It's a numbers, it's a numbers game. game.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you just have
1: to keep going. You never know truly what they're considering when they're putting together a journal like you could be a poem that they love but they have this other poem that the formatting doesn't really fit so they just need a one-pager instead of a two-pager it's little things like that you just you can't take it personally because you just never know and they just get so many submissions that uh you know they have to make those tough calls
0: yeah exactly so before handing the mic over to you to share some of your poems which we always do on the podcast In addition to the links in the show notes, how can listeners learn more about your masterclass?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So on my Instagram account, I'm talking about it. Um, I'm trying to talk about it more. I'm not a natural marketer at all. (laughs) So I'm trying to kind of not hide my light under a bushel is what I'm telling myself. And being free to talk about it and offer it to people Um, so they can check out my Instagram at M L I P H A R T. And there more poetry for me is there too. And I try to uh, post pep talks and inspiring little things there too. And then I do have a website. So, you know, ThinkIffic, again, is an amazing platform. I'm so glad I discovered it. And they um, have me build a website there. And so I've got some more information there. Um, yeah. So follow the link and check it out. And you can always message me too, like on Instagram, if you have any other additional questions, just send me a message and I'll get back to you.
0: Cool. Well, now I'm going to hand the mic over to you to recite a few of your poems.
1: Okay, great.
0: And so you can give maybe are- a, little, give a little, you can give a little backstory if you want to. Uh, usually I know which poems are going to be read ahead of time. And I've had a chance to think about, them. in this case, I don't know. So I'm going to be listening along with the listeners. I'm excited to hear what you're bringing
1: mystery so these are two poems that have never been read before oh awesome premiering here yay awesome um so which one do i do first okay i'll do this one first so this first one is called the pine to pinocchio and this came from watching the latest pinocchio movie um that was I think you call it live action where it's kind of the clay type figures and it just broke my heart like I won't do any spoilers but I was just thinking about that movie for days afterwards and thinking about exactly why why it was heartbreaking and so I wrote this poem as as I do and as I discuss in the class often a poem starts as this like gnawing feeling in you like something needs to be expressed but you're just not sure what it is and so you write the poem to discover exactly what that thing is that's inside of you that's like gnawing at you that needs to get out um so it's very therapeutic and it's also a way to kind of discover yourself and discover the world around you so that's where this poem came from so buckle up (laughs) (laughs) the pine to pinocchio i was silent in the wind once just hills, just mist with dawn, just sky. There was not a thing you could have told me, not a thing I could have said. But that tender bud of loss blooms for each of us in time. This one is yours. This one, mine from branches to breath is the only way to find the knowing, to learn the kind hand of a father, to lose him all the same. My grain has been sanded, smoothed into skin. You've been made and remade again and again, which is to say I've been remade as a soul is to a body unable to separate, even without feet, no knee, one hand, a mouth that closes when it shouldn't, then cries out, too late. To be real is to be missing pieces, but to be all hope, still, To believe love is just through this grove of olives waiting with a mallet, some screws, waiting for you to come home. To feel the warm stir of sun and Tuscany is to understand there are moments where the world decides itself without you. The roll of an ocean to a puppet, the sharp face of an axe to bark, our lives split into only two shapes at the end, the joy we gave birth to, the joy we never had the chance.
0: Mm, what a beautiful poem. Congratulations. My goodness. I'm excited that you premiered uh, that here. That is, that is a wonderful poem. And now I'm, I'm excited to go watch the film, although I'm going to be emotionally prepared for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prepare yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that poem, still reading it makes me emotional. I, I can it's tell. so fresh. Yes. Yes. Okay. This next poem is called To the Woman Crying on His Porch Steps. Um and I won't describe it cuz it's like a personal life thing but um and I, I go through this again in the class of like sometimes bad things happen to us but our job as writers is to alchemize them mm. and turn them into hope and beauty. And this was a personal thing that occurred to me and I alchemized it through this poem and turned it into hope and beauty. Oh my god. So goodness. I'm really proud of-
0: I love that, alchemized it. Oh my goodness, that's going to stick in my head. Yeah, alchemists. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. To the woman crying on his porch steps. After he's kicked you out. Locked you out. If you've ever sank back into the waves. Letting salt water flood the sky. Ever felt the full press of grace when watching a nuthatch? Ever been up above the tree line, wanting to pick the snow globe world up with your hands? If you've ever known that if you said more, he would love you less. Ever stood rooted on the edges of a cliff, understanding you can trust yourself? Ever sat down in a field of clover like a blanket? Ever wandered far enough to know you have your own map? If you've ever drank the ocean, spat out a lake, ever learned hopeless isn't a place, it's a person? Ever touched the velvet of sea moss? Ever held a starfish in your hand? I know you have, I know it. I know that kind of depth only comes from someone who has felt that kind of joy. I know there are still warm places where you could be loved.
0: Oh, beautiful again. Yeah. And I really think that is so, that that poem is so, um, representative of your work and, uh, uh, barefoot and Running. And uh, so I encourage, encourage everyone listening, go check out Morgan master masterclass. It is so practical and it is so um, sincere uh, and accessible uh, that you'll really walk away with tan- tangible things that you can do. Uh, it's not, again, pure academia, which is important and valuable too, but there's a whole practical side to being a poet. And Morgan captures it. And then definitely check out our book, Barefoot and Running, all the things will be in the show notes. So Morgan, uh, it was awesome having you back on the podcast and best of luck with the masterclass, which I know will help a lot of people.
1: Thank you so much. And thanks for giving me this opportunity to talk about something that I love so much, which is this class and to read some poetry, which is always wonderful for a Saturday morning. Absolutely. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thank you. <laughs>
1: thanks.
0: Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast is written and produced by James Moorhead. You can follow me on Twitter at Dublin Ranch. Subscribe to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast and follow us on viewlesswings.com or on Instagram at viewlesswings.